When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone? I'm Chase. I'm here with James for another episode of At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. We're here to break down the Hornets' first three games of the regular season, first 3-0 start in franchise history, by the way. Uh, we're just going to hash out what's been going on since the season began early last week. We'll take a break like halfway through the show or so, transition into a look ahead at the next few games, but we got to jump right into it because, for lack of a better word, the Hornets are buzzing right now. Would you, would you agree, James? Chase, like... I was having a bad day. So we're recording this just after the Brooklyn game for reference. I was having a terrible day. Man United lost 5-0 to Liverpool, like our bitter rivals. Um, I had the worst round of golf of my life. One of my fish died. Okay. Oh, it just, okay. What This day was not going well. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, and the Hornets are going to probably going to lose to the Nets and like we're going to be 2-1. and one. And, and then the Hornets went and freaking won. And 3-0, like it's going to be, it's going to be a national media Love fest right now. I, I I don't even care that I'm so excited. Kevin Durant and James Harden wouldn't even go over to congratulate the freaking Hornets at the end. So I'm sorry if you've got kids. Mute this quickly. Fuck Kevin Durant. Fuck James Harden. Like, just go over and congratulate the other team that's beating you. I'm sorry. It's, it was absolutely pathetic that they were whining all the way through, Harden especially, and then he wouldn't even go over. So screw those guys for one. But I mean... Just what a start to the season. I, you know, the preseason went so poorly. Like, if there was any season to slow start, this was the season. Terry is not even been playing. He was arguably Charlotte's best player last season. He's been out, and they are 3-0. Chase, let's go! Come on! I mean, this, is, this has been incredible. And I'm glad that you got your day turned around, because I, I think everybody else in Charlotte had a similar situation. Yes. The Panthers were horrible against uh, my New York Giants on why Sunday. Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling when you say that, Against <laughs> my New York Giants on Sunday, 25 to 3. But 4 o'clock rolled around right when the game ended. The Hornets game started, and pretty much instantly, things flipped in uh, in the sports world for the town of Charlotte. So that that was, I mean, that was that was incredible. The first 3-0 start in franchise history, uh, They uh, has there been something that you've uh i guess ha- have not enjoyed or not enjoyed watching about this team so far i can't really think of anything that's like a a glaring negative through three games yet i mean there's the same kind of uh like like rim, they don't really rim, protect the rim that well anymore but they rebound really well they're through three games well, so when far, you say so any I mean, anymore they never really did so. that's true that's true <laughs> it's not something that i i think has changed a great deal i look i mean Look, we're starting on the, we're starting with the downer. I like this. Okay, you know, I want to point out that the reason you've not seen a podcast from us in the after games one and two was not because we were like being lazy. It was simply we didn't want to like record a podcast after one game, you know, overreact to one game. We wanted to have three game sample size and then talk about things. But the problem is the Hornets are really making it hard for us not to overreact right now. Because let's say they won three and zero, but we'll we'll start negative. I like it. Keeps us grounded, you know. Keeps us to our roots. Brago would like that. He doesn't want the team getting carried away. You know, we've got to point out 
the areas they're going to improve. So can't get too high, can't get too low. Exactly. Yeah. Just it's just another day. It's just another day. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess more of a player, not so much a team thing. PJ Washington on offense. It's been a real struggle. Like I know he had that great moment in the uh, Indiana game where he was absolutely spectacular, switching on to bonus for that post defense. But like even before that Indiana game himself, he did he did not shoot well. He was one of seven in the India in the Indiana game, three of eight against the Cavs, and then two of seven against the Brooklyn Nets. And the the shot is not going in from anywhere. He's still struggling around the rim. The three point shots really abandoned him, which has been you know he's been a a 40% three-point shooter, 38, 40% of his first two years. That's really not there. And he's he's struggling to get kind of good looks, it really seems. So a few of his threes feel quite forced, whereas in the last first couple of years, they always came in the flow of the offense. And I think that's just down to playing that second unit. You don't get as many open looks because like when he's out there with Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, Ish Smith, like none of those are kind of natural scoring guys. So they can kind of, stay a little bit truer to PJ and don't have to help off. Like, not like he was playing the starting unit, there'd be a lot more open looks. So I'm, I'm worried because at the minute, it's not even been stagnation from PJ. It's been actually things have dropped down a little bit. I think defense, he's been fine, not exceptionally good, but not exceptionally bad. But that's in terms of, if you ask me to kind of, where's my worry directed right now? It's at PJ Washington's offensive game. I do. I definitely get that. But what, one of the things that I've noticed is through three games, he's had three assists against the Pacers and Cavs, and he had five against the Nets. So he has yeah. kind of he's I think he's been integrating offensively a little bit better as like a playmaker. He definitely the shots definitely aren't falling. I think he has I'm looking at the box scores right now. He has one three made through three or two threes made through three games. So I mean that's not good for a guy who's I guess best skill as a yep as a as a forward would be his floor spacing ability. So you, and, and PJ's I, I think, been a streaky, I think that will pick up, but yeah, and he's he always been, been a streaky, streaky player. Before. Like you know, he's gone. He goes through moments where he's really high and he's really low. He's not started the season great. It was weird because in that very first preseason game against OKC, I think he went like four from five from three, and he was shooting a really easy ball. And after that, his, his shots just abandoned him for the rest of the preseason and now bleeding into the season. But I think you know because the team are doing so well, it's being masked right now. But. We, we want to see some bounce back from PJ because he's been closing some of these games. Um, and one of the reasons you want him to close is because he spaces out and gives offensive threats, something that Plumlee doesn't do. But so far, like, it's just not translated. Okay, so, and I read that box score wrong. He only had one assist against the Nets. But I still, I, my point still remains because I'm thinking, like, the one real good set that I've seen him get a couple of good looks out of is, like, a Spain pick-and-roll set where he's, like, the one that pops up to the three-point line and he gets a clean above the break three, which I feel like he's pretty good at usually as well. Like that's one of his better spots from taking shots uh, beyond the arc. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I think he'll, he'll probably figure it out eventually. He, like he has been streaky before. And I mean, it, it's only three games too. So there's only so much stock you can put into it anyway. And these are fairly good teams. Like obviously none of them are, I mean, the nets are obviously really good, but I mean, the Cavs and Pacers are solid enough teams to where you can excuse like a bad game. I would say. I think the three point shot, I'm pretty sure will hopefully come around to some extent. I mean, he'll shoot it better than he has. The the, the worrying part for me was, you know, they went into the offseason, PJ did, Brego did, saying that the thing PJ needs to focus on is finishing around the rim. And Brego's been on the record being like, I know he's got the the skills, the, you know, athletic ability to be able to do that at a, at a, at a good level. It doesn't even need to be a good level, just an average level would be fine. But he has really struggled so far and looks probably has lost around the rim offensively as he did last season. So for me, like that's the, that's the kind of thing that I didn't see a major jump happening there. And without that, you know, he's never been an in-between kind of the three point arc and rim player. He's never really had much of a mid range. Um, That's my concern right now. So hopefully it comes online. Hopefully it's just early season jitters. He started last season poorly as well. Um, But I think there's, I think there's source, source for concern there. All right. Let's get to the what, positive what, what, side here. Wait, well, what, okay. what, what, you, what you didn't give me your kind of downside. What are you? What have you kind of you been drawn to in a in a negative fashion so far? Uh, I mean, really, I just think that like it's the same. It like the, their rim protection isn't necessarily that. I, I said any more. Obviously, when I said it, I misspoke the first time. But it has not. That problem has not been alleviated at all. Really, I mean, they they have had good possessions with where they have good rim protection, but I think. 
as the season wears on, that that will probably still be, you know, they'll be one of the teams that gives up more points in the paint than, you know, the average team in the NBA. So I, that's probably been my one thing. But I mean, I, they're, it's oh, through the three games that they've played, I think that they've displayed enough like um, like fortitude, like because those the first two games they had to come back. So obviously they can play really good defense at times when they need to because they've already they've already done that twice. And then they were maintained a pretty much a double digit lead against the Nets for an, a whole fourth quarter without Lamelo and Terry. So the defense is there. It's just a matter of not uh i guess letting your weaknesses become too glaring throughout a regular season but i mean that's kind of the the struggle for every nba team so we'll see we'll see how that goes so far but what do we what do we want to get into next we'll we'll get we'll get to the exciting stuff that's happened so far there are there are a lot of uh a lot of good players that are a lot of a lot of players that are playing well so far for the hornets yeah it, it could be a long podcast um it could be look let's let's start with what's most recent what's most fresh people's minds mouse bridges Back-to-back 30-point nights uh, against Cleveland, against the Nets. Starting a power forward coming into the season. Um, You look at it now, like going into camp, it was a question of who would start power forward. (laughs) And now it's just like, how was that ever a question there? His play has been so good. I mean, what have you seen that's kind of been different about Miles so far this year? Or what's kind of stuck out from you about Miles? Well, for one, he went 11 of 12 from the free throw mm. line against Brooklyn. The, I mean, we, we said it multiple times over the off season and like a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast to talk about miles have said something similar. If the leap he took as a self creator, like being able to break down defenses, attack a closeout, uh, like force a scrambling defense to actually like watch out for him when he's driving to the rim, instead of just kind of treating him like a, a dunker or three point shooter. Like he, he's going to take a massive leap as a player, and he looks like he's done that so far. I mean, he had 11 for 12 from the line against the Nets, three from five from three, and against the Cavs, he didn't even take a single free throw and was 13 of 24 from the field, four from nine from three. So, I mean, that's that's diversity in a scoring profile right there. And I mean, as as a rookie, like him getting to the line 12 times in a game would have been oh. like almost unfathomable. I mean, yeah. and the the growth that he has gone through as a ball handler. Through, especially through traffic, I feel like is, is an area where he's like just gotten so much better over the last couple of years. It's been so awesome to see back to back 30 point nights to start the season after like all off season. The one of the biggest questions about the Hornets was like, is Miles Bridges the player that he was at the end of last season? I mean, obviously, three games isn't a big sample size, but I mean, how how can you say that he hasn't been or won't be for this year so far. I mean, even if he drops off a little bit, <laughs> like dropping off from 32 points uh, still leaves you as a pretty, as a pretty good player. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm so excited to watch miles this year. It's like, it's like Lamella last year when he first started, it's like, Whoa, you know, I thought this might be pretty good, but it's better than I thought. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same deal with miles just in a different, uh, in a different manner. Well, the thing I think what stuck out to me so far with Miles is he's now on the scouting report as a 40% three-point shooter after his last season. And teams are closing out at times like really hard on him now and he's really driving to the rim pretty aggressively and kind of slashing. And that was the thing for years with Miles. You'd see the dunks and you thought, wow, like why, why? but they'd only ever be kind of, you know, on the fast break or if they're unopposed and if you kind of had a, a, a lane to drive into, he wouldn't drive into it and kind of initiate contact. And then you see the game tonight, the net, he's driving into people, drawing fouls, finishing at the rim. It's the same with the Cavs. Like he's just, and Brago said this post game after the net, he is a matchup problem. Like if you're too small, if you're too small, he can just beast you. He'll turn his back. He'll post you up. He's got those spins. Um, he can draw help. He can pass. If you're too big, he's got the speed and he's got like a low center of gravity with that speed as well to kind of, push people out the way that he can just drive past you and, and, and score around the rim. And he can, he can dunk it. He can finish with his right. He can spin, he can pass out. I mean, he's really turning into a pretty skilled offensive player. And he's, he's not like put up gaudy assist numbers yet, but he's still shown some really good flashes of passing. And I think that's like, we saw that towards the end of last year. When, if that's something he needs to do, he doesn't need to do it right now because there's probably so much passing on the floor most of the time. But it's something that you can absolutely step into that role to handle the ball more. So, I mean, Miles Bridges could be could be taking the leap. Um, you, you think back now, like to his the very first game against the Pacers, and you think, oh, he's pretty average. Like 
13 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three steals and a block. I think he's averaging like two and a half steals per game so far through the three games. So he's like, and he's being really active defensively. It's some good positions on Durant tonight. Um, he's just being a full two-way player. He's a leader for the team. It's amazing how he has matured from even his second season, which is strangely what, like only th- two years ago now or something. And it just feels like a lifetime, completely different player playing with so much confidence. It's, it's probably been the most exciting thing to see, like you said, from the start of the season. It's been incredible. All right, where to next? Ish Smith, Cody Martin. That's probably, I would say that's probably the, the two biggest there's, there's a two, exclamation points. There's two people points. who are very close to my heart right there. I know, um, yeah. I, we, can pick, we can pick either. We, we, should do a, we should do the veteran first. You know, yeah, Ish, yeah, we'll, we'll give, we'll he, give he's the hometown vet. kid the, the love at the early on in the podcast. He has been so good. You know what I think is the best part is like, not even any number that he puts up in the box score, which have all been pretty good for the most part, except for uh, I don't think he played very well against the Cavs. But in the first two games, he was good. Is just the pace doesn't drop off at all when Lomelo sits on the bench. He still is kind of geared towards playmaking in the same way. He's obviously not as like as flashy as Lamelo and doesn't have the same height that Lamelo does to be able to make the types of passes around the defenders in the way or the same way. But I mean. He's trying to do the same thing and there's no change in like, they, they don't have to change the system whatsoever when, when Ish is on the floor. Cause he he's just so good at maintaining the pace of that. The Hornets have played at. Cause that's like, that's his, that's the pace that he plays at naturally. Cause he's just such a fast player and he's so smart as like a, as a t- 10 year N- NBA veteran. Like it's just, it, it's, it's so, it's so nice to have such a reliable option off the bench still. And even after you lost Devontae last year as your uh, from as your backup point guard from last year. And there's so many good cutters on this team around him that mm-hmm. he just plays to his strength so well because he loves the mid-range shot, right? So he likes to get into the mid-range. If teams want to take that away, you have like the bigs have to step up. And as soon as the bigs step up to try and take the mid-range away, you've got Bridges, Oubre, Haywood. It's a big part like, of why Cody Martin's been so good, I think. He's, yeah, Ish, Cody, he's gotten a couple of them from Ish on those. Absolutely, because Ish is kind of, he's making that mid-range shot at such a clip at the minute that teams are having to adjust mid-game, press up to him, and it's just creating so many lanes for him. And so far, Ish Smith has hit one three, and he has not had a free throw, and he's had 31 points through three games. <laughs> like, it's all just pull-up twos and kind of crafty finishes around the rim. And um, I know it's like, analytics i'm guessing will probably hate ish smith because of like his shot profile Mm -hmm. but i am so okay with ish smith like just chucking up mid-range shots because it it plays into his whole offensive game and it goes in like if he stops if it doesn't go in at all okay we need to have some issues but he's shown it now that's like three or four seasons the ish smith mid-range is just a good is a good place and like even defensively he's had two insane blocks for a guy who's like six foot he had one on patty mills today who was the other one on? Uh, was that against the Cavs or was it? Yeah, against- I don't remember. But I remember writing in my offseason piece, like I was looking at his stats his, uh, on cleaning the glass from the last couple of years, like or even his entire NBA career. He's been like a really weirdly good shot blocker. Yeah. For his size. Like he's consistently in like the top 10 or 20 or top 10, 20 percentile among yeah. guards in the NBA. And sh- he blocked block, a jump block shot, percentage. didn't he? He blocked a yeah. jump shot of Brogdon, was it? Or or he, he was a guard for the Pacers. Yeah. That's what it was. But, um, oh, I mean, defensively, he's been good. Even though he's like small, it's one of those things. You think he's small, he's like, oh, he's going to be terrible defensively. He actually gets really, he's pretty physical. Um, blocking shots around the rim. He's been, he's been great. And if, if he can keep this level of play up, I mean, tonight, I don't know if you saw it, Chase, because we were recording this straight after the game. Borrego said in his post game that Lamelo told him to keep riding Ish, right? Yeah. Which you you could already see like some weird part of Lamelo Ball fan Twitter being like, "Who's this coach benching Lamelo Ball for Ish Smith?" But like, actually, it was genuine. Like, I'm sure Borrego probably would have done this anyway, but it was Lamelo being like, "No, ride the guy who's hot." And like for Lamelo to do that, some of the concerns that people like to throw around about Lamelo being, you know not a great teammate and he's, he's arrogant. And there's things you heard all pre-draft, you know, that terrible interviews, like for him to do that when he's playing in Brooklyn, he was having, it's not like he was playing badly. 
Lamella was having like a perfectly respectable game. Yeah, he had 18, and, five and five. Like that's that's yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, in 26 minutes. And he's like, no, Rydish Smith. That that just shows that this team has a, a special like we versus kind of them mentality. Like they are fully bought in, invested as a team. Very much unlike the Nets, where you've got two of your players like leaving the court before the game's even finished. Like, have some respect for your teammates. So I just think there's some really good little signs that we're seeing here that this team's got something kind of special brewing in it. And this does not mean now that I suddenly think that we're a six seed. I still think we're probably in that range, but irrelevant of that, these are the kind of things that you want to see. And it says a lot about the culture in your program. All right. Is it Cody Martin time now? It's Cody. It's Martinized time. Yeah. I mean, we might still be fully Martinized. Cody might've taken such a large leap as a player. <laughs> he can fully Martinize the Hornets all on his own. We used to did say that if you could merge them into one player, that'd yeah. be pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do remember that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he hit. He was two of three uh, from three against the Nets. One of Huge which was threes. Yeah, one of pull which ups. Was, yeah, pull up threes in K against Kevin Durant, like in the <laughs> fourth quarter. Like what? <laughs> Can you just sorry repeat that? Yeah, it's Cody Co- Martin just hit yeah. two pull up threes over Kevin Durant with the game like on the line because like at that point it was by no means sure thing. He no. just stepped back and drained them. Like it wasn't even wasn't even like a banking or a roll around. They just both went down and like no celebration whatsoever. Just like stoic Cody Martin face, you know, which is just like job ain't done yet. Like I'm getting back on defense and we're going again. Uh, and he's gonna go take a couple of charges from James Harden. Like like yeah. it was just um you you can't be angry right now at James Booknight not being in the rotation because Cody Martin is playing so well. Like this team needed defense, needed rebounding. He's doing all of that. The ball denial that he's doing on some of these guys as well. He doesn't turn up at the box score, but my God, like he's he was playing really well before he uh, sprained his ankle last season and missed kind of the rest of the year. Uh, and he's picked up right where he left off. And the biggest thing I've seen from him actually is the biggest difference. Like he was always a defensive kind of troublemaker, like charges and rebounds and stuff. But offensively, that's where I've seen the biggest growth. Um, his confidence he's playing with offensively, there is no way he's taken those two pull-up threes last season. He's, he's just not doing it. He's passing the ball away to someone else for three seconds on the shot clock. And, you know, in his his eyes, like, that's not my job. And he really seems to have taken a step up on his confidence. And that's just coming through in all of his play offensively. He's cutting, he's shooting the ball. Um, I think he had, like, five assists tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Or he had a good number of assists. Like, yeah, he had, he had 12, five, and three against the Nets with a steal. Yeah. He's he's just doing everything, playing with confidence like he belongs. Um, it, maybe this is the hot take, Chase. Uh, has Caleb Martin been holding him back all these years? Like, really, Cody Martin has been ready to break out and he's been getting hold, held back by his twin brother the whole time. I mean, if he breaks out this year, how, uh, you, can you argue against it? I mean, the, <laughs> no. ma- the math would check out in that scenario. And you know what I think? Uh, John tweeted this out from the At The Hive account. So sh- shout out to John during the um, Cavaliers game. Cody Martin had scored in double figures nine times in his NBA career prior to the start of the season. He's done that in the first three games. So, I mean, he's one third matched one third of the total double figure scoring nights uh, in consecutive games to start this season. So, I mean... Yeah, like the that's the thing, and that's something I've thought about as well. Is with the in terms of like the the rookies, like not or book night, especially not really being able to get in yet. It's like it's fine because a that just means everybody's healthy and playing well, really. Uh, I mean, except for Terry so far, which has I mean, I don't, I'm not really worried about that at all. It's just a, like a sprained ankle, I don't think, but it's a, yeah. it's. I mean, I, well, it was, it was, two, it was, it was two different ones. That That's the only, it was his left ankle and then his right ankle. If it was, it was the, the quote one. I saw somewhere and I didn't know where I heard this, which the, the initial, so the one that he did in the Cleveland game that he twisted his right ankle, there was a quote somewhere, which I think was said during the game. I think it might be an Ashley Shamadi said it, that it wasn't really an ankle sprain on his left foot. It was more of a foot strain, which that was the one that kind of made me worry a little bit because it's not just, oh, I rolled and tweaked an ankle. It's like, well, is there a foot strain? That that sounds like a little something different. It might not be as kind of easy and quick healing as a, as a sprained ankle. So um, look, I, I hope it's the other ankle that's holding him out now because I, I know what that was. I've seen that before. 
Um, he was questionable today before being downgraded to out. So it's not like, you know, a Cody Martin or Gordon Hayward injury last year when as soon as they did it, they were, you know, going to be out for a good period of time. He should be hopefully back soon. But I mean, he played in that Cleveland game and he, he just wasn't right from minute one. Like he just wasn't moving right. And you could tell Terry was desperate to play with it being Cleveland. And yeah, you know, he just wants to be out there. But he like he was hurting the team when he was out there. So I'm just hoping that like well, while, while the team's rolling and everyone's playing so well as well, there was no need to rush him back. I mean, when he comes back, like, it's just, like the rotation's gonna be completely stacked. That's why it's like not even really something that that's why like they can take time and bringing him back because they don't i mean they don't, what do they have to rush him back for i mean yeah everybody and, has i mean played well we, we say that now if they lose three in a row we'll be like oh god we really need terry but <laughs> that, yeah i mean but still I, I, they haven't they, have, they haven't done that yet so i mean at the at the moment you can only you can only go off what you have the information that you have in front of you and i mean right now they have no need to you know be like hey buddy you gotta r- run off that ankle sprain or foot but it, or it gives it you be. some great confidence for when like when Haywood is rested. And yeah. If you're going to be getting, you know, if, if you've got Terry, Uber, Cody Martin, like you've got a good wing rotation there who are all playing with confidence, two-way players. Um, I mean, Gordon Haywood wasn't good in the in the Brooklyn game tonight, but like considering the, the start of the year and the, the miss of preseason, I thought he's been pretty good in the first two games, especially offensively is that kind of release valve in the half court. Um, he's kind of been very streaky, like had a really bad quarter and then come back and had a really good one and, Tonight in the first half, I think he was scoreless. And then he, you know, eight points, six assists by the end of the night. So pretty good second half. Um, but yeah, what have you made of what you've seen from Gordon Hayward? Because it's been a long time since we've seen Gordon Hayward play basketball for the Hornets. I thought he's been really good. I mean, he's been getting to the shots that he had or that he's good at making. So he had the shooting percentages haven't necessarily come through, especially against Brooklyn. I think he only hit like, I think he was like 50% against the uh, the Cavs or something like that, but he's been getting to the spots that he's good at or that he that he feels comfortable in. He has been passing the ball extremely well. He had, what he had, yeah, he had nine assists against the Cavs. That's going to be really you important. Nine? Too. Wow. Yeah, he had nine assists against the, and he had, yeah, and he finished with six against the Nets too. That's going to be important cuz I mean, it, not having LaMelo to be the only guy that can like make plays for your teammates at a high level is huge and especially when that uh, guy is also like six seven or six eight like gordon is i mean and then that just gives you so many borrego so many more like rotation options and being able to stagger your veterans with your bench and i mean both hayward and lamello have been like have been like excellent to start the season i, I have no, no complaints about either one of them i mean lamello especially i mean he, the, the the 30 point game to start the year i mean you could not you can really ask for a better start to the year than that hayward had 27 in that game as well i mean that's what you want is lamello 31 points hayward 27 like that those are the types of games that and the the hornets need to win and they did convincingly so that that's definitely a good sign if they're being able to hit that stride like right right as the season starts i'm curious what you've made of the kelly Oubre jr experience so far because it's it's been a roller coaster um i like i've got some I've got some thoughts, but um, I think I was like, really, I know I was really high in it in the preseason. Like kind of, has he been what you expected or is there anything that you kind of noticed good or bad that you kind of maybe didn't, weren't aware of or surprised you? I mean, yeah, I think he's been better than I thought, to be honest. Like I kind of knew that uh, like he was kind of like a streaky shooter, I guess. But I, I mean, that's also like to, to be someone that comes off of the bench consistently to ask a player like that, to just be in, in a really efficient score every single night and not take a lot of shots, but also, you know, be a valuable part of your offense is so, so difficult to do. Like there aren't that many guys that can not touch the ball and then just get off the bench and, you know, just be effective every night. Kelly, like he can take and miss some shots if he needs to, to get into a rhythm on the second unit. Cause there are so many guys on the Hornets, that can make up for that now it's because if miles is actually the the kind of shot creator we've seen in the first couple of games that's just this it just adds so much more layers to their team and gives the hornets so many more opportunities to let players like play to their own strengths which is why i think what kelly's been doing so far he's been pretty good on defense i think he really he plays really really hard is something i've noticed as well it's hard to not at least like root for a guy that plays really hard and like credit him when he does make his make good plays. Like he has made a couple of, had a couple of really nice deflections on defense and he's a way better passer, yeah. I think than 
I expected him to be this year. He had a really nice dump off pass in a, in the Cavs game. I, he's been like, he's the ball has not, it hasn't like stuck with him really at all. Like it, it moves throughout the, the offense whenever he touches the ball. It's not like there's, you notice him uh, as like a ball stopper or anything, which like I've, I have feel like I'd seen so many people on the internet say that like, well, oh, he's a black hole, but it's like, I really don't think that's like that. I, that bad. I maybe disagree with that a little bit. I didn't think he's a black hole, but there, there's probably been a handful of moments in each game where I go, oh, Kelly's going to shoot this, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm I think thinking, that's I'd, fine, though, honestly. I'd ra- you see, I'd rather like put it on the floor and drive and kick again. And like he's not taking, he's not waving people off and doing 100 dribbles and taking a shot. That It's it's in a situation where it's like, uh, it's, I'm, you're fine with a the shot there, but it's kind of, there was a moment tonight, I think, where uh, Cody Martin kicked it to Kelly Oubre and he took the open three. It was after like a really nice kind yes, of, I know, uh, ball, yeah, ball I know spinning around against about. the net. Mm-hmm. And he took that three. And like, that's for me is like the bang perfect three. But if, if Cody Martin had been where Kelly Oubre was, I think Kelly Oubre would have taken the shot and not made the extra pass. And I just wish he took like two shots less per game. You could take the two worst shot selections out of it. Um, I think you know that'd be great. That would be something I'd like to see because he's definitely getting his shots up. He's he's still you know he is aggressive, and I think you're going to get a lot of nights with Kelly where he gets 20 points. You're probably going to get a lot of nights where he's got under 10 points because he seems to just be that kind of streaky player. But to your point about the the defense and the deflections, like tonight he only had one steal and zero blocks technically in the Nets game to start the game. I think he like deflected the yeah. ball off Durant like four times, uh, always helping off like the weak side. And that's something like similar to Lamelo in terms of like that free safety role where he can go and cause havoc. Um, and he's just got like a feel for when to help. And he's got really kind of really long arms so he can poke even if he's guarding his man. Um, I think he's been better in the next game was kind of the best I saw of it. At, at times a little bit on ball, he's been kind of inconsistent, but it's the NBA like who's, who's not inconsistent on all yeah. defense. There's like yeah. a handful of people who kind of always keep their guy in front. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, he, he's talked about the defense being the focus for him. He had nine rebounds in the, in the next game, which is absolutely huge for offensive in there as well. So I think he's just added like a, another wing defender. And I, I think so far he's been probably just about what I thought he was going to be, but I had really high hopes, but it's just, Take those one or two worst shots per game, take them away. And I think, you know, we've got a, a, a really strong rotation, start level player, essentially, who will be coming off the bench when Terry comes back. Yeah, and I, I definitely understand that. I just think it's, it's, I just can't like fault players that need to shoot to get into rhythm. You know what I mean? Like it's so, it's hard to just get off the bench and like derive, uh, like motivation and uh, like and just derive rhythm and like a comfortability from making plays on defense and then have that go through and transfer to like making spot up threes and stuff. But I, you're definitely, I mean, it's not wrong. Like you would, you know, high shooting a higher percentage than like four for 13 is definitely, you know, you that's, that's what you're aiming for. But is there anything else that you want to talk about in the, the first half of the show before we take a look ahead at the next couple of games for the Hornets here? I mean, is there any, I don't think there's anybody we didn't, at least mention, right? I don't think so. We we haven't mentioned Plumley. Oh, really. okay. and Plumley and and McDaniel's. We'll do like a minute on on each one of them because uh, I feel like that's the that would round it out pretty well. Plumley's interesting stuff. I mean, he was getting booed in the first quarter of his first game. <laughs> <laughs> that was I know that was it was not a great too. start. <laughs> that I know that was so so such such a short leash. Yeah, um, I think he has a worse free throw f- form than Bismarck Bayumbo. Uh, going into today's game, he was shooting 20% from the free throw line. And today he went one from four. So he might have bumped that up now <laughs> to 22%. Yeah, well, yeah, like 22 and a half or whatever. He, he it would shot be. Yeah. 67% on his free throws last year. And I watch it and I don't expect any of them to like even hit the rim. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty remarkable. But look, we shouldn't focus on the, the free throws too much. So he's beginning to get some rhythm with Mello is that kind of dive roller and caught some lobs, which is good to see. And I think that... Cody Zeller really had to load up to catch lobs from Mello. Like it had to be like a free running and Mason can kind of just like rise on the spot a little bit more. So I do think he's a better lob target for Mello. Um, He's rebounded the ball really well in the first two games, 14 against the Cavs, 
10 against the Pacers. We did not have that rebounding consistency. I only had five against the Nets, but rebounding really wasn't an issue for the team. It was kind of like Bridges had nine, uh, Ubre had nine. It was just a lot of team rebounding and he was boxing out well. Um, the, the passing, I'm still, I still feel like they're trying to figure out how to use him best. He's shown some nice flashes, but it's like Howells had some really careless turnovers as well. But so far, again, considering he didn't have a preseason, he's like been perfectly respectable. You're not going, you're not talking about Mason Plumley during or after the game too much, which for me kind of suggests that he's been like a net neutral for, for most of the games so far, which if we're being honest, the Hornet center position has been a net negative. Like it's the thing that we talked about game after game after game. We didn't know who the rotation was going to be. It was letting us down. And so far, he's been pretty solid without being spectacular. Um, so I, I think he's been fine so far. Perfectly fine. I, I hope he gets a little bit better with the some of the passing. They can use him more. I hope he can keep protecting the rim. Um, he's never going to be a scorer. But yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Mason? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Uh, I, he's he's a good rebounder. I, I like that he can take the ball up the court. That's pretty cool. I've always I've always just enjoyed watching big men be able to grab the ball off a rebound and dribble it up the court. And he has like the the fancy little like underhand flips. Like he'll just pick the ball up with one hand and flip it over to the point guard when he's dribbling the ball up the court. Like it's it's just it's just a very aesthetically pleasing to watch. It doesn't really mean all that much in the in the grand scheme of things, other than that it's nice to have five legitimate like full court ball handlers on the court at one time but yeah I mean the rebounding is definitely the most important thing I thought he I kind of thought he would have more like more of an offensive rebounding impact which hasn't really shown so Mm. far like on the uh on the box score I guess but I mean that's it's also you know that could just be like a a product of randomness and only playing like three games because he did have um I think like four yeah he had four offensive rebounds against the Pacers but He's just he's just been rebounding well, so I feel like those will eventually find his way into in into his hands at a certain point. And he is a, he's a good finisher around the rim too, so that pretty and much he, helps. he seems to get he actually gets fouled a lot going for the offensive rebounds, so they yeah. don't show up in the box score. But there's probably been in the three games five five times or so where I think he's got fouled. He's ended up shooting free throws and then mostly missing those free throws. So yeah, yeah if, if you can bump that free throw percentage up to at least fifty percent, that would be that would be wonderful because then you can start taking advantage of that a little bit. So yeah, I think Mason's been fine. Um, let's quickly touch on McDaniel's. I mean, he's not played too much. I don't think he played. Yeah, he only maybe. he only played that uh, like minute and like fifteen seconds or whatever that uh, everybody went in against the Cavs at the end of the game. But he played, yeah. I think, like ten or eleven minutes against the Pacers and the. He didn't the look Nets. great. He didn't look great in that game. Let's be honest. But in the in the Nets game when he came in, when Ubre had the three fouls in the first half, um, he played really well. Like was yeah. active on both ends, hit a good three, uh, kind of attacked the rim. Um, he looked good, and like the team did not drop off. And when he was in there, that was kind of when the team was slipping a little bit at times. You're like, is this league going to get out to 15 points from the from the Nets? And he was a big part of kind of keeping that team reined in, and that towards that second quarter. So, um, I like. I feel I still worry whenever he puts the ball on the floor because he's just has not got a good handle and he's very turnover prone and doesn't have good feel for when to pass it off. Like that's my big concern for him is I just don't know if I'll ever be able to leverage his kind of potential fully because he's just so limited with that. But um, he's going to defend. He's going to play hard. He's if like it essentially comes down to if he can hit shots or not. Like that's if he's going to be a good player for you that night or not. And that's why he's only going to be a bit part rotation player, I think, for this team. It's just not reliable at the moment from a shooting perspective. All right. I think that wraps up our first half. We'll uh we'll roll into the break here. We'll see you guys on the other end to talk about the uh the next next week in, in Hornets future. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All 
All right, we're back. Second half at the Hive Live. We're going to talk a little bit about the next three games that the Hornets are going to play. They play Monday night against the Boston Celtics, and then they play the Magic and the Heat before the end of the week, and when James and I will be potentially reconvening to discuss the next Hornets games. But, James, Celtics games first up. Mm. What do you think? What are you, what are you, what are you looking for uh, going into this you see. One? The, the Celtics game is going to be interesting. Firstly, I mean, Jalen Brown may not play. He's missing tonight's game. So Boston playing tonight against in Houston, and he's sitting that game. He's got some left knee soreness, I think, which is a similar issue that he missed some time with towards the end of last year. So, it, it, I mean, if Jalen Brown's not playing, that's a huge bullet dodge for Charlotte because Jalen Brown is, you know, firstly having a great year from his from kind of the preseason and his first game of the season. Um, and also just generally a good two-way player and probably the guy that they would put on Miles Bridges. Um, so I think that that could be important. Um, the other thing to worth mentioning is that because Charlotte were playing the afternoon game, they're probably going to get back to Charlotte kind of later this evening. They're going to fly in. Celtics have got to play in Houston, and then they've got to fly from Houston to Charlotte. So definitely going to have a pretty good rest advantage, uh, and they're going to be playing at home and full of confidence, uh, potentially no Jalen Brown. So Boston game, I'm pretty hopeful, you know, the Celtics have generally owned Charlotte for, for most of the time. I think there was, in fact, the Celtics was the one game that we won last year when we had, I think, like everyone out injured. I think we absolutely destroyed them um, in like March time or something like that. But before that, the Celtics normally absolutely own the Hornets. Um, it was the, I went to one of the game a couple of years ago and we got blown out by 2025. Um, I mean, your your Celtics, your local Celtics team. What are, what are you thinking? How are people feeling about the Celtics going into that? Well, they they started off zero and two so far, and as we currently record this, they are losing twenty one to fifteen against the Houston Rockets. So, I mean, obviously, it's not the start that I guess that they were envisioning. But I mean, I don't think anybody really envisions starting zero and two. So. I, it's, I think it's uh, for a team like them with like a new coach and stuff. I think it's kind of, it's like more difficult to judge them off of like the start of the season than it is for teams that have had like a little bit more continuity. They had a bunch of new additions and stuff as well. Like Den- Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, like Al Horford back who ended up missing the opener uh, on the health and safety or due to the health and safety protocols. So I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that game because it's another test against, team like a team that has like some really elite talent on it and the the Hornets just got one of those against the Nets and I think that they passed with flying colors so I'm looking forward to this one as well I mean the not there's not not as much juice I don't think in the the Hornets Celtics games uh after uh Kemba left the Celtics but I mean we still got Gordon and Terry playing their old team and I mean you know Brad Brad the departure of Brad Wanamaker is what really you know, drains the life out of the world. Really ruined the rivalry that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, they're, 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 the fans just aren't, aren't turning up anymore for Hornets <laughs> Celtics because Brad, Brad Wanamaker is not getting his revenge game anymore. But shout out to Brad Wanamaker for making the, the roster with the Pacers too. I mean, he's just a very solid player. He's just st- sticking around in the NBA too. So you like you like to see that. So Eric Collins is happy because he still gets to talk about the free throw, throw champion. Percentage. Yep. The two free two throw or three champion. times a year, he gets yep. to talk about that. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. And I, I, that's been another thing that's been awesome so far. Just getting to listen to like Eric and Dell again on a consistent basis. So good. We love yeah. them. But all right. So who do the Hornets play? Magic. That? Okay, magic, magic next. Um, right. You, I don't think you'll have seen this. Have you? There's a faction of Magic fans, and I've seen three separate people tweet this now, and it's. I've, I've literally held my tongue and not bothered responding to it because it's not even worth the time. So there are Magic fans doing, um, you know, victory laps over drafting Franz Wagner over James Bucknight because Franz Wagner is starting in the NBA and James Bucknight can't get in the Hornets rotation. And there's literally multiple people out there being like, uh, Magic fans owe an apology to Franz Wagner because he's now starting a book night, can't even get in the rotation. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, there is there is some very important context that you're missing here is that the rest of the Magic suck. Yeah, that <laughs> and, I was, yeah there's just so, so much context missing from that. Just an, in, an enormous amount uh, of yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, this is like hot take season, I feel like, as well. Because, yeah. like, you get... um. 
like the first night or two, usually people are just like more optimistic about their own team and are like, oh, I'm really excited to get the year started. But then like you get like a couple games under your belt and you can pull up some some stats on the NBA website and it's like, aha, look at this. But yeah, I mean, that's what you, you're you're trying a little too hard with, um, yeah. with, those, I, with I'm not saying like that. that. I'm not saying that book night is better, right? Yeah, like, like five, five years down the road, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, but, but, but nobody knows about... what's going to happen after one no. week. That is for sure. <laughs> like nobody knows what's what like is real and what's not at this exact moment in regards to like rookies that have played what thirty to one eighty minutes in their NBA career, depending on yeah. how much, uh, how like how, how big of a part of the rotation. I they mean, are. I think Book Knights played three minutes. <laughs> yeah, Book Knights so, played three. Even Franz yeah. has definitely not hit. 100 minutes in his NBA career. No. So I, it's, I, look, it's I guess these, look, it's, ma- it's just crazy. Magic though. fans, there's hopefully no one listening to this, but look, they got to cheer themselves up in some way. So if you need to tell yourself little lies to make yourself feel better, like, or, or, you know, you want to pump yourselves up, that's fine. Just, just don't, don't, yeah. don't go dragging James Book Knight's name through the mud for your own enjoyment, right? Yeah. You and go I mean, find I, someone else. If we have magic listeners to this Hornets podcast, Thank you. First of all, thank you for listening to this. I don't know why you would necessarily, but thank you. But yeah, I don't know. I, it's uh, it's so early for this type of stuff. It's always it's it's funny to to when those types of takes surface. I feel like, but yeah, you gotta take everything with a grain of salt right now. Anything else on the on the Magic game on on Wednesday night? Are there? Are there I, I feel like they're, so. they're it's like the, uh, it's the Franz Wagner Bowl now. That's yeah, all I no, care about. It, it, yeah, it is. I, I I'm excited to see. It. Mo Bamba. I know he's been playing fairly well yeah. this year. And uh, I mean, that's that's somebody that Hornets fans have really kind of enjoy, like, enjoyed watching from afar for the last few years. I feel like I don't remember how rumored they were uh, or mm. how interested they were in him like pre-draft that year. But I remember uh, that he's been a common name on the in the ATH comment threads for, for yeah. the last couple of years. So he it's was good. high on my trade targets this, yeah. this summer. Absolutely. Good, yeah. but good, good to see him come through as well. It was we'll, interesting we'll when they close. when they extended Wendell Carter and didn't extend Mobamba, I thought, oh, maybe yeah. maybe they're deciding to move on from Mo for I thought that for probably about the fifth time, like over the last his rookie contract, where you keep thinking, oh, you know, Ken Birch is playing, oh, you know, but no, Mobamba is still there and he's playing really well now. So Good for Mo. Uh, but no, I think that's it for the Magic game. On to the Heat. Uh... Friday night ESPN yep. game on that one. 7.30, oh. prime time. I know. Uh, ESPN, they could... hey? Hear, hear me out. A 5-0 and Hornets team going into Friday night prime time game against the Miami Heat on ESPN. Would, okay. would that be like the biggest like me. national media buzz i guess that the hornets would be getting like er, this early on in the season in it's it's already coming long. after the next game oh it, it certainly it, is i it, saw a couple it, of a couple it's lined up the game because was even over one it's the first time in franchise history they're three now which we are not going to stop saying because hey it's the first time two because it was the only game on and it was on early so a lot of people true. have watched That's it. True. I know, i know it clashed with football but like NBA reporters and stuff. What you're going to watch, like football, you're going to watch the Hornets v Nets. You're probably going to do that. Yeah. Um. Like it's just it's just lining up perfectly for it, you know. So it's already started. But yeah, if, <clears throat> I mean, if they're five and zero going to that Heat game, those Heat games always have a little bit of extra spice. Um. They're always good games for whatever reason. It's always, always a good game. Always. And we'll be the Caleb Caleb versus Cody Martin again. We had a little rendition in preseason. We'll get the regular season edition as well. Not that I think Caleb might get in the rotation, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So they've got Butler back, Lowry's playing, Bam's back. So I think they should be probably at full strength uh, unless something happens between now and then. So yeah, always good games against the Heat and I look forward to that one. Yeah, always enjoy watching those games. Yeah, me too. So the reason that I said uh, that we will potentially be reconvening at the end of the week uh, as we started this half is because the next game after the... The Heat game is on Sunday against the Trailblazers. Two Sunday games in a row for the Hornets to start the year. I feel like that's the yeah, that's like a weird thing that your teams usually. It's don't a great get. thing, Chase. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. Or earlier, and the other thing by next by the thirty first, I think your clocks in the US go forward or back. Yeah, I other? think it's like November something, early okay. in November. And that make that means that it's only a four hour time difference ah, in the UK to the US. Okay. I remember, I mean, yes, I remember we had this problem in the spring and it, it became it, the five It is not a problem. The recording. It is not a problem. Oh, the, the fall is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. 
it is a great thing because it means that those games finish one hour earlier, which is just a wonderful thing for me. So um, it's, it's in, we're approaching that little special period soon. Yes, but, I, the, but the reason that I said that is because James is going on a vacation on that, that day that the Hornets play the Trailblazers. So we're not sure if we're going to record like after the heat game and get a podcast out before that or if oh no i'm gonna... already i'm already away i'm gone from the, from the first day oh okay yeah never mind game. then okay yeah yeah no good. i'm i'm out sorry okay. you ain't you're not getting me live, yeah. live update for the listeners james uh after the after the magic game we'll probably so we'll probably have like a more lengthy break uh than usual i guess between the ne- now and the next episode but that just gives the hornets some time to accumulate a sample size for us to really dive into and you know, yeah. when when we're when we're back here and the Hornets have won seven or eight games in a row to start the season, we'll have even more wonderful stats to to pour over for for our and, beloved um, bugs. Yeah, I think we we've not gone like big into like the team stats yet of like where do they yeah. rank on defense and transition and because ten like, games there's, we'll give it ten games and then we'll, ten we'll, games. We'll, yeah, we'll there is no stuff. all we do at the moment is overreact to small sample size. So yeah, box scores are good reading. We we talked about that, but. There's no, like some teams have only played two games so far. So like you can't be comparing these things. So once we get to 10 games, we'll definitely start to dive more into the detail because we just don't want to be feeding out, you know, information that is going to become inaccurate or isn't a fair representation of what what is actually actually happening. So, um, but yeah, we'll be in touch. Um, I'm, I am going a holiday. It was a bit, I suppose we're going to Morocco, which Essentially, so Morocco jealous. stopped all flights from the UK entering oh, uh, okay. last week, which was great. Three days, like four days before I was supposed to travel. So we've now had to cancel that and I'm now going to Turkey. So, okay, there you go. First, that works. First That's time away cool. since the pre pandemic. Looking forward to it, but it's been stressful because Morocco doesn't like the UK because our COVID rates are high. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to going away. We'll still be able to watch some Hornets games, but I'm not going to be able to take my my podcasting gear and equipment with me. And to be honest, it'll be nice to switch off and tune out a little bit. So. Yeah. It's abs- always nice to get a break, especially when you're going to become a, a cultured man and an exotic world traveler. I mean, tur- going from Morocco to Turkey, yeah, you were, you was, was like Thailand on the list. Uh, Croatia <laughs> was the next one up. And Argentina, maybe if you could have gotten an extra day off for the, I for the wish. long flight. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, James, enjoy your vacation. I'm sure the listeners hope you enjoy your vacation as well. We will see you all in however long, however long it takes. Go Hornets. We'll see you guys soon.